Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a at a point right now where they're I think clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history, uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sun Belt these days. Podcast. We are back. It is August, so that means that teams are reporting to camp. Also reporting to Fun Belt Podcast right now is my battery mate, Tibbs, Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. I'm Jeremy Harper from HowRazor.com. We're supposed to be joined shortly by Shane Milton. We hope to have him pretty soon. He's running a little bit behind, but until then, we can entertain you. Thibodeau, how are you? Good, man. Just living the dream of, of the heat, knowing that the popping of pads has begun on the Sunbelt Conference campuses as we are getting even closer, Jeremy, to the start of the 2022 season. So yeah, speaking of pads, there's kind of a funny story that came out from a, a guy named uh, Jeff Reed. Not a funny story, but a funny moment in the story. Jeff Reed, he, he runs uh, A-State Nation and he has kind of a private you know, message board that he posts stories on. And he was reporting on day three of the Red Wolves camp. And day three is when they put on the pads and the, the freshmen get a real taste of, of some of the physicality that comes with college football. And a quote that came out was from Coach Jones. He says, we are now thud. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. We are now thud, which I guess means the thud of the pads. Pow. So Not make sure. So, so thud is also a term for when you are basically going boom to the guy instead of hitting him live all the way, putting him in the dirt. It's a, a, a thud so that you know you were tackled, you know you were probably going to be hit hard, but we don't want to have any injuries racking up this early in camp especially. Possibly. I, I, I think I like your definition, but I think I will make a hashtag. We are now thud for the season, just just to to make that something. I find it appropriate if there's a missed tackle on the play. <laughs> that would be we are now dud, right? Well, yeah, we're we're done. We're thud. <laughs> in, in, in the words of a former defensive coordinator at ULM, whenever they were going through camp, a guy missed the tackle. Offensive player went on. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you do that on Saturday, the band's going to play. And guess what? I hate the band. <laughs> oh, well, the, hey, speaking of hashtags, do the Warhawks have a hashtag? Something that they always put up on the end of their of their social media communiques? Best on the Bayou or Take oh. Flight? No, oh, Take Flight. Okay. Yeah. I need to start collecting these. Just make a kind of a grid of... Uh, Sunbelt hashtags. I want to see if there's like, like, can we rank them perhaps? I'm sure out there somewhere, if, if you hit the, the great Google machine, that there's things out there that show the interactions of social media and what those official hashtags are. Yeah. Us come up with our own. I, I still think back to last week when we learned about mustard buzzard being a derogatory term for Southern Miss. I yeah. still. And not as derogatory to learn for the Eagles. I just like mustard buzzer. I think it's pretty funny. Honestly, the best, you know, it's kind of like a Yankee doodle dandy. That was an insult from the British during colonial times. They thought that they were insulting the colonials. Well, the colonials took that and turned it into a rallying cry, right? Well, that's what Southern Miss should do. They should take, was it the mustard hawks? The mustard eagles? Mustard uh, buzzards? Mustard buzzards. They should take that and run with it. They should make a logo. They should make T-shirts. They should make coffee mugs. They should paint it on on the sides of buses. The mustard buzzards are in town, and they're going to pick the meat off your dead bones. I can only think of uh, last year's Old Miss game where the mustard bottle was thrown at Lane Kiffin. <laughs> yeah. 
in addition to that, we of course have, have also coined Viva La Boob Cats. Yeah. yeah. Abbreviated to Viva. You very slyly drop that in front of some of the Bobcat players that we were interviewing during some they said Viva. You said Viva the Boobcats, and they just kind of looked puzzled and they got out of their chairs and left. Yeah. They, but they said it back. <laughs> Did they? Yes, Viva the Boobcats. I, I I think maybe they said Viva the, the, uh, the Bobcats. I'm not sure if they went with a double O. I like to think that they are hip and cool and listen to the show. Yeah. Full Boobcat. Speaking of the show, Thibodeau, I have noticed that the Sunbelt has cranked out yet another Around the Sun podcast on their own. Like, they are now really getting serious about doing their conference podcast. Yeah, but Keith Gill himself said that he'd rather go on the Sunbelt podcast than any other show. <laughs> Shouldn't we be worried about this competition? I don't think so. I think there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room in the Sunbelt universe for more than one Sunbelt-centric podcast. Don't you think so? Uh, definitely so, especially since they are kind of difficult to find. We are not. We are all over the place on social media, Funbelt PC. We have an open Gmail account where people can email in questions as they've done in the past. Our DMs are open, and we do get some crazy messages that uh, some make the shows, others do not. So, you know, it's... Uh, I feel like we're in a lot better position. We are the voice of the Funbelt Conference. You know what? We don't have to suck up like the Sunbelt around the Sunbelt podcast would have to be. You know what? If ULM sucks, I can say ULM sucks on this show because I'm not beholden to, to Sunbelt Harmony. So if you want honest analysis, you come to Funbelt Podcast. Yeah, and I mean, if I want to say Arkansas State is just horrible there, Jeremy. Oh, oh, oh. oh I, okay. I, I, thought, I thought we were just trading, trading jabs. Oh, oh, well, hypotheticals, right? It's all hypothetical. It's We're not really, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't call us bad. I mean, that, that would be hurtful. Anyway, I, ULM, I wouldn't call ULM bad. That's just hopeful. Now, would I call them cheap? Maybe. That's an understatement. Do we have a derogatory term yet for Arkansas State? Uh, you know what? Maybe we should put, pull our powers together and just make up derogatory terms on par with mustard buzzard. It'd be like, you know, like like the red, you know, you know, the, the I don't know, something, you know, uh, the vomit dogs or something. <laughs> That's what we it have to be. Joining us on the show late, but we forgive him because the analysis that he brings to the table is just so top-notch. Shane Milton is back on the show. Shane, how's it going, man? Good, especially since you forgive me. That makes it, <laughs> makes it okay. I, I feel right. like I'm kind of yin and yin, though, so I guess if Jeremy forgives you, I don't. So, you know, okay. how dare you, Shane? Well, well, to tell you the truth, between the two of us, Tibbs is sort of the... Uh, he carries the bully club, you know, like he's the guy that's going to bonk you on the head with a sack full of quarters. Me, I'm the good cop, Shane. I, I'm i the guy that says it's going to be okay. You know, it's probably a mistake. I, you're probably at the grocery store running a little bit late. Maybe there was a school function. I get it. Now, Tibbs, he's not so understanding. Tibbs is like he's he's on. If he's not 10 minutes early, he's late. Well, so well, yeah, well, Let's be honest. If somebody's going to understand not being on here on time it would be jeremy <laughs> absolutely you know life gets in the way we can shane you and i are busy guys we don't have time to be on a podcast we've got we've got responsibilities to not just to ourselves but to other people people depend on us tibbs he just lives his own life he he just sort of does whatever he wants he's he, he, he's like a the highlander he just gets into little adventures and then he has all his extra free time to do a podcast we don't yeah, well, it, it was newspaper related for me today. Held me up a little bit, and I'm still trying to <clears throat> get stuff in, so it'll be in the paper tomorrow. But uh, Shane, are you talking about a scoop? No, not not particularly. Just uh, getting stuff on the page for the most part. I wish. 
I wish there was Listen, a good scoop today. There's not. Tibbs and I were really hoping for a scoop. Not not today. Not nothing. Nothing too crazy. I see your good friend Noah has been very busy putting mm -hmm. together content for the newspaper. He has. Yeah, he was at Sunbelt Media Days, and he was he was all over the place. Tibbs, we cannot be more complimentary of Noah, can we not? No, we probably could if we could only ever remember his last name. I feel like we kind of made him like Prince or something. He has one name. He is Noah and Noah only. That works. Noah Fleischman, but Noah works. Fleischman. Don't, okay. don't put Jeremy with a name because he'll just butcher <laughs> it. Just, just keep him as the Prince that is Noah. Yeah. Fleischman mayonnaise. I might remember that. That might help. All right, so, you know, we're heading into the meat. No, yeah, let's say it. We're heading into the meat of the offseason. August is when things really start to pick up. August is when we start really really chewing on the marrow of each team in the Sun Belt, trying to get a little bit more knowledge of the Sun Belt teams, who's going to be good, who's going to be not, teams to look for, players to look for. So on the Fun Belt podcast, we always try to find – the expert, the the guy, the the person who can give us that piece of information, unvarnished. We're not necessarily looking for athletic directors or coaches. We're looking for people with good, solid, unbiased analysis. Uh, with us today is Craig Stevenson. He he is sports reporter for AL.com and I believe has a radio show as well. He can he can plug that for us too if he wants. Craig, how are you doing? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me in. And uh, yeah, I have a radio show, but uh, I'll let people find it on their own. I'm on in the afternoon mobiles with Randy Kennedy on uh, Sports Talk 99.5 in Mobile. We've been doing it about, uh, we're doing the show together for about seven years and three years in the, uh, at the current station. So they have it. So how do you like doing radio? Is that something that you, you uh, as, a, as a, a reporter of the written word, how, is yeah. that, how do you like that better than, how do you like, how is it different than uh, being on the radio? Well, it doesn't require as much preparation. It's just kind of turn the mics on and talk, which I, I guess you guys have some experience with, but, Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's a challenge schedule wise sometimes, but yeah, I enjoy doing it. It's, uh, it's definitely different from, the day-to-day -day grind, you know, and, uh, you know, we talk a lot about South Alabama, but Alabama and Auburn and the SEC and, you know, whatever else is going on. Well, what we're interested in right now is the uh, South Alabama Jaguars. Right. Kane Womack, year two. Year one, we had you last, uh, last well, year. Hold on a second, Jeremy. Hold on, hold on. I'm not going to let you get away with pronouncing, mispronouncing Jaguar and Womack in the same sentence. So, Womack. Womack. <laughs> Uh -huh, it's uh -huh. Jaguar, not Jaguar. You know, all right. First of all, I'm just a simple country kid from Arkansas. We don't have exotic yeah. cats in <laughs> Arkansas. We yeah, have possum. that are just made up. <laughs> well, yeah. we have possum, armadillo. We don't have jaguars. Sorry <laughs> about that. But I will. For you, Craig, I'm going to work on that. Now, is it Kane Womack? I think he Womack. actually. Okay, he actually he is told us the the pronunciation too and i keep i keep it's womack yeah womack okay two right. m's so anyway last season you came on the show we talked about kane womack and right. his first year and everybody was getting behind this program he brought in a lot of youth a lot of uh -huh. energy what's the attitude in year two yeah, I think we're still in kind of show me mode uh, because they did. Now, they, they were better last year. There's no question they were better last year. They upped the talent level to a degree. You know, Jake Bentley made a big difference at quarterback. Had he not gotten hurt against Troy, uh, not only would he probably have set every South Alabama passing record, I think they probably win that game and they're in bowl game. So, um, you know, that – and, you know, they had Louisiana on the ropes late in that game. They had Coastal Carolina on the ropes for about three quarters – and couldn't put them away. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, it was a five-win team, but with a break here and there, it could have been a seven- or eight-win team, which would have been huge because South Alabama's been playing football since 2010 and has never finished with – well, I take that back. They've been playing Division One football uh, since 2012 and have never finished with a winning record. 
they've had a couple of six and six teams that went to bowl games and lost, uh, but they've and they had one team that went six and six and did not get a bowl uh, bid. So yeah, they're uh, so I think winning record would be a huge thing this year, and I think they feel like they're headed in the right direction. Well, Craig, for uh, Howraiser, Howraiser picked South Alabama to finish, finish second in the yeah. in the very competitive but kind of uh, kind of uh, struggling Sun Belt West. Where do you pick? Uh, yeah, I, I, well, I think that that is accurate. That you know, I think you guys know that the East is much better than the West. Um, what? No. I, yeah. 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 <laughs> and. Uh, you know, Louisiana obviously has ruled the division for a while, but they took a big hit not only uh, in the in the coach in between the coaches' headset, but also, you know, just in terms of talent with a bunch of those guys that left. And I think it's wide open. Uh, would I pick South seventh, second? Probably not. Uh, I think that maybe they're third. You know, Troy. I think Troy's better than they are right now. Um, Louisiana. I don't know. I guess you have to show me that. And you know, we keep waiting for for Texas State to show up. You know, and we keep, uh, you know, ULM, for whatever reason, has had South Alabama's number, which is just bizarre. And then, um, you know, then they, there's Arkansas State, which won't be down forever, I don't think. And uh, who am I leaving out? Oh, Southern Miss now, um, which, you know, they got a ways to go, I guess. So with that said, though, Craig, did you feel that the, the championship on the west side goes to the state of Alabama, whether it be Troy or South Alabama? Or, or, or do you feel that it really is as wide open in the West as it's portrayed to be? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those two teams won it. I wouldn't be surprised if anybody won it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't sit here and say that it's going to be Troy or South Alabama. Um, now, I, I do – I think it's Louisiana's until, they, until somebody beats them, uh, you know, which may happen and may not happen. I don't know, but uh, – yeah, I, I think it's too early to say those are the two best teams necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Jeremy doesn't like it when I say hell to the chief till the chief dies. And, and, and right yeah. now, the Cajuns are still the chief. But, yeah, you, you know, we, we kind of wrapped up some of conference media days, and, and I still think it's an Alabama school, whether it be Troy or South Alabama. I lean a little bit more towards Troy because I feel like they have more of the pieces in place. Right. But it's still an Alabama championship this upcoming season on the but, West the way I usually feel about it is when you have a first year head coach, you're going to lose a game or two. You might not lose in a, in a in a year after that. So I think that Troy may be in that boat where they may drop a game or two just because they're just not quite there. We saw it with South Alabama for sure. Last year, I mentioned already Louisiana and coastal Carolina. They, they, they were in really good position in both of those games and didn't win. Um, you know, South Alabama's schedule is interesting because they play Louisiana really early. They play them in week five. They have their four non-conference games, and then they play Louisiana. So, uh, you know, it could be a situation – it's in Lafayette, but uh, it could be a situation where they maybe are able to go over there and signal that, yeah, uh, you know, you got a new challenger for sure. All the, the talk also at some of the conference media day, we're happy with 14 – but we would be yeah. happy with 15, we'd be happy with 16. Was that kind of the, the, the sentiment that you took from those talks as well, that maybe there's another team on the horizon or maybe more, or, or just kind of throwing it out there and seeing if anything sticks? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the, you know, if, the, uh, if Conference USA continues to implode, then obviously you're going to have some teams looking for a home there. You know, there are some burnt bridges for sure. Uh, you know, Louisiana Tech, most notably, uh, but also Western Kentucky burnt some bridges on the way out. Um, so, th but they would be teams that you would think would be immediate uh, factors if it does happen again. Now, the, the, the other thing you got to consider, obviously, is uh, is there attrition going the other way? You know, if the Big 12 continues to lose teams, uh, then may or, you know, or the American, then does somebody like Louisiana or uh, you know, Georgia Southern or somebody like that try to move into a different league? I don't know. It's a good question. So going back to South Alabama, you know, Tolbert, thank God, out of the, <laughs> out of the conference, yeah. done torching my Red Wolves, torching NFL teams now. Who who can we look from South Alabama to, 
sort of pick up that or fill in that gap from that with Tolbert's absence now. Now we're talking offense, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think Jalen Wayne's the obvious guy. You know, he had 53 receptions last year. Uh, I think he can move in and be the number one. Is he as good as Tolbert? No, but he's probably as good as Kawan Baker, who was drafted in the seventh round by the Saints a couple of years ago. Um, the problem with that is when you move your two up to one, who's the two? And that's what, the real question. Uh, Colin Lacey's a guy that they got out of uh, Faith Academy here in Mobile a couple of years ago. <laughs> was a running back in high school, and they converted him to receiver. He's kind of been iffy. Um, Alan Daly, they had a, a transfer for, from Kentucky that came in, actually came in last year, quit the team, then came back in the spring and left again. So, But he had a really good spring, and they were really counting on him, but he had some off-the-field issues, and he's gone. So, yeah, I really think that um, receiver-wise, they've got some young guys that they're going to have to have step up. Jay, jo Jay Jawan Towns, and that's how you pronounce it. It's, it looks like Jay Wan, but it's Jay Jawan. Uh, came in last year, had one reception for 62 yards against Georgia Southern. It's the only pass he caught all year. So, but I think he's a guy that uh, that may be a difference maker down the road. I do like their tight ends. Um, uh, Lincoln Sefcik caught uh, about 40 passes last year. Was a red, a real good short yardage red zone target. And then DJ Thomas Jones, which sounds like a guy that works weddings and bar mitzvahs, but yeah. his name is actually DJ Thomas Hyphen Jones. Uh, transferred from Ole Miss, had a really nice spring at a, as a kind of a a tight end, but really a, a puffed up receiver tight end. And so I think he's a guy that can be a difference maker in the passing game. Uh, so just just to to clarify, because I, I I'm not quite certain, is Jake Bentley back as as no? As, okay, so no. so what's who's 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 quarterback? <laughs> okay, yeah, Bentley was a sixth year senior last year okay uh yeah he he's done he actually you know he hurt his knee late in the year and uh he pretty i think he's a graduate assistant at florida atlantic now so he pretty much went straight into coaching he's um, with the right now doing the ga work there you go okay yeah um anyway so his dad coaches down there somewhere but anyway um desmond trotter who is obviously was a starter two years ago filled yeah. in for Bentley last year is is back, but the guy that they think is going to win the job, they want to win the job, is Carter Bradley, who was the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season with Toledo last year. Uh, ended up getting beat out by a younger guy, so he transferred in. He is the son of Gus Bradley, the former NFL head coach and now the defensive coordinator with the Indianapolis Colts. Really, really strong arm. Seems like a smart guy, uh, but you know, it's it, every every conversation I've had with anybody since he got there is that they, they think he's going to be the guy, but they haven't named him the starter yet. And I wonder if that's just to one to keep him motivated, but also um, to keep Trotter interested as well. You know, because I don't think that they feel like they have anybody other than those two that could that could get the job done. So I don't think they just don't want Trotter to transfer. In other words, uh, but I think it's going to end up being Carter Bradley for sure. On the east side, as, as we look over there, again, you know, I, I talked about us really kind of having the consensus that the, the West Championship goes to the state of Alabama. How do you see that east shaking out? Because to me, even though it, it, it feels like App State and the Six Dwarves, it, it's right. really kind of a wide open race because, yes, App State brings back uh, Bryce Chase, Peoples, and Nate Noel, but they lost a lot of their receivers. A lot yeah. of the defensive line is back. They have some pretty good players on the defensive side of the ball. And then Grace McCall is such a question mark that I don't feel that the Shanks are in a position to be able to contend right now because there's so many question marks there as well. How do you see that East? That's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I guess App State's the best team over there, but it's hard to say. I'm interested to see how Marshall and ODU come in and even James Madison moving up from – from FCS, although they're not uh, they're not eligible for the championship this year, uh, but you know Marshall was a good team in CUSA. ODU has been off and on uh, a good team in CUSA. I, I kind of like Georgia State, you know, and uh, you know Ben Moore's not here to uh, to take that uh, bragging, but 
you know, I do like them. I think they're going to be a good team. Uh, so I think if it maybe not App State, it might be them. And Coastal, yeah, but, you know, the top line talent, though, is so good. And uh, they're one of those teams that's like I, you kind of don't know how they do it, but they keep doing it. Um, so, but I do think App State's probably the team to beat over there. It's funny you say that about Georgia State because I saw a, a Twitter video from Sean Elliott on the opening day of camp. And, and they had to, to make some edits on it because it, it was not uh, PG-13 for the Twitter yeah. stream where, yeah. you know, he said that his team was was just not into it. And, and if the season started, that you know, they would be having a, a several L's on their record already. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to see, was it a bad day of practice or, or is maybe Georgia State hyped up a little bit more than what they possibly should be? Well, you know, they open with South Carolina and North Carolina back to back. So they need to find out how good they, they're going to have to get into it pretty quick. And that's odd, too. But like you said, you would think they would, with those games on their schedule, especially North Carolina, I think, uh, comes to Atlanta. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. They do. Uh, do they? Okay, good. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, anyway, um, so you would think that would be all the motivation they needed to uh, get going with having those two teams on their schedule to begin things. Is there any team you look at across the league as a whole that you just say not their year? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I, I well, I, I don't know. It, it's so bizarre. I, I think ULM is going to take a step back. Um, you know, I think losing Rich Rodriguez is going to be a big deal for them. Um, you know, they weren't great last year, but they beat South Alabama. Uh, I think Southern Miss is still a little bit away. Um, you know, they may be better. You know, they're not be not going to be playing the single wing, which probably helps. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I'm looking for anybody to just be awful. But, but somebody always is. So, you know, you were at Sunbelt Media Days. The first time it was right. days and not day. Yeah. Overall, what did you get? How did you feel about the optimism of the conference coming in? Did, did you feel you probably done this a few few years? What was different about this year than it was in years past? I, they definitely had their chest puffed out a little bit, and you know I think they have, uh, you know they have I, they hadn't quite killed Conference USA, but they have cut both of their legs out from under them. Well, you know, and I, and that was always the you know that's always been the the thing is that. Conference USA had a little bit of an edge on the Sun Belt, and you know, obviously, they took a bunch of their teams the last time the expansion happened, and now it's been turned around. And um, you know, Conference USA is on its deathbed, having to take multiple FCS teams, and you know, to to survive. And um, so, I think that's probably part of it. They definitely, you know, they didn't lose anybody in the off season, which a lot of conferences did. You know, the American, uh, even you know, obviously, the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve. If you know, not immediately, but down the road. So, yeah, I think that uh, there's some. They they definitely feel good about things. Is it the best G5 conference? I don't know. I think it's probably too early to say. But uh, you know, I think the AAC probably still is. But the Sun Belt definitely is is not a uh, you know afterthought anymore. I don't think. So going back to South Alabama. You know, we talked a little yeah. bit about Tolbert, who's going to replace Tolbert. We talked a little bit about the quarterback battle that's going on between the transfer from uh, from uh, the, uh, Toledo and then uh, Desmond Trotter. Who is one guy, though, that ha- doesn't bubble to the surface when we talk about South Alabama, but a guy that you think is going to make a big impact? Uh, I, well, it, and I've seen him. He looks he's he's seems to be healthy uh, the first couple of days of practice. So that's going to get there. LaDamian Webb, who I, I think is a name that a lot of people know. Uh, he was Mr. Football in the state of Alabama about, golly, seems like seven years ago. Uh, it hadn't been that long. But anyway, uh, went to junior college, was a great player in junior college, went to Florida State for a year and was a contributor, left Florida State and went to Troy for about two weeks and then went back to junior college and was a – was a junior college All-American last year. He came to South Alabama through about five practices. He's uh, running back. I don't know if I've said that already. Uh, anyway, through about five practices, he looked about like he was the best player on the field. Then he broke his foot, and there was some concern that maybe uh, it was going to be a long-term situation. But, 
he uh, came back from that pretty strong. But the funny thing is, I don't know if it's funny, but it happened. Uh, during the offseason, he, because he had the big walking boot on his foot, he fell down the stairs and broke his hand. So, uh, so he's got a big cast on his hand, but he's running fine now. So once he gets that cast off his hand, I do think he's going to be a real difference maker. South Alabama hasn't had a great running back in a long time. And Trey Menner was really, really good. He's probably the best one that I've seen. You know, Xavier Johnson had some moments as well. But uh, I think that uh, he's going to chance to be there, easily their best running back in the last four or five years. Um, so I think that's a guy that could really make a difference. Offensive line-wise, they brought in a ton of transfers. Uh, the, the one to really keep an eye on is Dante Lucas, who's probably going to be the starting left guard. Uh, he was a four-star recruit that signed with Florida State out of high school. and He has really looked good uh, in practice, uh, both in the spring and early in camp. Greg, I just want to know how you keep up with this, because I feel like every year South Alabama has a guy that's like, he started off here and went there and got hurt. Yeah, he was 18th year of eligibility. How do you keep right. up with all these guys like that? Do you have I, a uh, Yeah, I do. I mean, I keep spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff of who's coming and going. Uh, I think they have 17 Division One transfers this year. They had eight in the spring and nine in the summer. So, uh, and then last year they had a they had a bunch last year too. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of the it, it, the roster management's gotten so crazy because of the, the portal and all of that. And uh, but you just kind of have to keep up with it. But yeah, they have. I will. I, they have definitely upgraded the talent. Uh, you know, defensively, I, I you know, we hadn't talked about that yet, but I think South Alabama has a chance to be one of the two or three best defenses in the league. They are defensive line. They're loaded. Uh, linebacker James Miller, who transferred in from Indiana, who was a guy that Kane Womack recruited out of high school. And so he knows the defense backwards and forwards. Uh, he was probably uh, the best guy on the front seven during the spring. And then Darrell Luter, who – literally almost never allows a reception. Um, you know, I, I, I watched him all last year and I was thinking, you know, this guy's pretty good. And then to see all the accolades he's got during the off season and all the people that do the advanced analytics and all that kind of stuff, love him. So it kind of validates what I was seeing because he is, he is legitimately a, an NFL cornerback. Now, how high does he get drafted? I don't know, but uh, he's going to have a chance for sure. Now, Craig, have you visited practice since uh, camps have opened? Yeah, I went, uh, I did not go today. I went Friday and Saturday. Um, you know, obviously a bunch of guys just run around in shorts and helmets. I think they put the full pads on uh, Wednesday, I think. So, uh, but yeah, um, you know, pretty spirited, obviously. It's a hard to tell anything when they're not in pads, but uh, they definitely are kind of developing a consistent depth chart and that sort of thing. Okay, one thing, still, still Go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay. One thing Tibbs and no. I have been one thing Tibbs and I have been doing is trying to collect everybody's all, every team's hashtag for social media. Uh-huh. What yeah. are the Jags doing? Do you know? Uh, well, you know they have the LEO thing, which Womack stole from Indiana, which is a Tom Allen thing. Love okay. each other. That's their that's their thing. Yeah, I know it's very that's heartwarming. So but uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the other one is. I, you know, I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. I really should, but I don't. I, we don't uh, either. That's why we're like, maybe we should, okay. we should collect Hold these. On, I can, is it right, Wheeler South? That's not right. That's the, well, no, that's, that, that's the branding of all their Twitter accounts. It's like, so okay. we are South FB, we are South BKB, whatever. Um, looks like the hashtag, at least for fall camp, I don't know if this is a season thing, but it looks like it is hashtag just work just work not a fan right. Right. not a fan at all let me ask you this though okay. Brent, you have you in addition yeah. to all these hashtags what's the derogatory term for a jag Ooh. well they don't like to be called south al i'll tell you that <laughs> uh, oh the other one is hashtag our city they're really trying to brand mobile um that's the thing they've done got here you know, they had the helmets with the battleship on the back, on the side, and they had the Hank Aaron helmets. And so that's one thing they've really tried to do. Actually, their practice jerseys have the USS Alabama on the back as well. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah, I, in, in terms of a, 
Yeah, I don't know that there is one that is directly off the mascot, but they don't like being called South Al. Um, they don't like, you know, of course, Southern Alabama, which is just bizarre. But they don't like being called Jaguars. Uh, I think <laughs> I'm so sorry that about that. <laughs> no, people I'll do work that. On it. It's weird. I mean, people do it with the NFL team, too. It's not that big a deal, but it's funny. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, go ahead. Well, the reason why Tibbs asked is because yeah. uh, we're really charmed by the derogatory term for uh, Southern Miss. What was it? The uh... oh, mustard buzzards. Right? Yeah, mustard <laughs> buzzards. <laughs> I've heard that. I grew up in I grew up in Mississippi, so I've been hearing that for years. But uh, I had never I just heard of that. that. <laughs> I don't know if South has enough tradition to you know they haven't been playing that long. You know, so I don't know if they have enough been around long enough to to develop one of those. But yeah, for sure, there's some. Um, there's a lot of good ones that you can't say, uh, you know, publicly, but, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> well, but, maybe uh, the fun belt podcast crew will yeah. do a little homework and we'll start assigning derogatory okay. nicknames. Well, if you have anybody with Troy on, you can ask them, I guess. That might what be a South good Alabama's idea. bizarre, uh, uh derogatory. I, I don't know of one that's uh, to be honest with you. We should ask your greatest enemies for that. Why are we doing all the hard work when we could be asking the enemies uh, yeah. to get for us? Uh, anybody got any more questions for Craig? Craig, we always love having you on there. Appreciate your time yeah, us on Fundbelt Podcast. Hopefully, it's unlike any other interview you ever do. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's always fun. Hey, I, I owe Jeremy anyway. He came in and saved us during the media day when we were didn't have another guest. I had to, I think I had to pull him down off the out of the bar. I was drinking. Yeah, I was like, oh, you saved me from another hangover. Is what you did. That probably improved his his, his uh, interview. Yeah, he was good. No question. Uh, I'll be. I, I'd love to be on anytime. You just you just let me know. I'll be there. Well, likewise, if you guys ever want to have me, hey, if South Alabama actually has a good year this year, and you want to have me back, I'll be glad to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you at some point this season, Craig, in Mobile, and we'll uh, have drinks and tell lies about Jeremy. And quite Sounds frankly, good. I didn't realize there's so much tension between South Alabama and ULM. I did not realize that South Alabama had so much trouble with ULM. They're not. Yeah, they, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's anything like that. It's just that for whatever reason they claimed when they went up there, was it last year that, you know, and don't take this personally Tibbs, but you know, they, the, the stands were so empty. They just couldn't get into it mentally. That's what they tried <laughs> to say. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. I love that kind of heat. Our, our plan is working because how many times <laughs> in the backyard were you going to have the game-winning free throw and you miss it? But all there were were crickets around you. The plan yeah. is working. There you go. <laughs> going to be totally different this year, though. ULM, man, number one. There you go. All right, Craig, thanks a lot. All right, guys, take care. So, Jeremy, we have yeah. talked now with Craig Stevenson about South Alabama. Yeah. Or South Al, if we want to be uh, mean to the, to the Jags. Yeah. You know, I call them South Bama a lot. And I don't know if they like that either. Probably not. I, yeah. I wouldn't like that. I wonder if Lower Alabama is really a derogatory term for the Jags as well. Mm. But we have a bunch of meaningless watch lists to discuss. <laughs> and, and as meaningless as I say they are, it really did come across as the Sun Belt being called the run belt because the dope walker award for the greatest running back in the land has 12 sunbelt members on it more than any other of the conferences more than the big 10 more than the pac 12 more than the acc more than the big 12 you know what that why that surprises me <clears throat> i didn't know that I, we had that many running backs in the league I, I just never really think of the Sun Belt as a running backs conference. Like, uh, I, I know that the Cajuns had some really good, have, have always had really good running backs. Appalachian State has always been pretty good at running back. But I always thought of the Sun Belt as more of a pass team. Now we've got all this great talent. So it, it's kind of strange. The, Shane, you're a seasoned uh, journalist, a, a, a man of print. What do you think of these these first of all, what do you think of these watch lists in general? Is it just a bunch of puff 
or is it something that we should be taking seriously? I don't even know how to answer that quite. I mean, it it means something when people are that high on somebody going in. I mean, yeah. they don't just pick these names randomly. I mean, it means you've accomplished something, generally speaking. Um, but also, the list could completely change a month from now and probably will, to some degree, be completely different a month from now. But, I mean, you just... I mean, one of the main things is, you know, you talk about the Sun Belt, if they've been a running conference, if they're the run belt this year, if not, they just kind of happens to be a year where everybody has their top rusher back. Some teams have their top two or three rushers back. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you start making these lists, first thing a lot of people couldn't do is like, okay, let's look at last year's stats. Let's look who's coming back. Yeah. You know, if somebody's got their leading rusher coming back, there's a decent chance that guy's going to get on some watch lists or, you know, preseason all conference or whatever, just because you go off last year's stats. And for some reason, the running backs didn't graduate last year, where, you know, they didn't, you know, they graduated or they transferred from a lot of positions, but running backs, everybody's got their guys back, basically. Shane, can I tell you something that's really sad? Yeah. Something that's really depressing that it's touching on kind of some of the things that you're saying here yeah go for it ulm is on any watch list this season they're the only sunbelt team who doesn't have a player represented on any of these lists and some of these lists are just kind of goofy right there's one like good sportsman award or something like that not even a warhawk on that one what is going on with the warhawks tibbs you call that the ul most as your derogatory term for the Warhawks. What? <clears throat> That's when you're too close, but you just miss. You, you almost. I'm surprised there wasn't even a Boogie Knight on the list just because people like to put his name on things. Everybody loves his name. So he, Absolutely. I mean, not, to, not he's also a very good player, but I mean, if you have a chance to type that name out, it seems like you're going to do it. If you're a PR person for any of these watch list people, you put in Boogie Knight. You say, hey, Listen, we even got this guy, Boogie Knight. Check him out. I don't know if they know what they what they're missing with ULM, but uh, I I do feel like all right. You were Shane. What Shane is saying is that essentially that if you have somebody on the list that that seems to imply that you have enough talent that see that puts a spotlight on the program, and right now there's just darkness being cast on ULM, and that sucks. Okay, Agree with me, Tibbs, on that. Yeah, I mean, and, and Craig said it best, and I, I think I've even said this several times. This season is is really kind of year one of that rebuild under head coach Terry Bowden. Last year, he kind of got stuck with some players that he just wasn't able to turn over the roster like he wanted to, lost a lot of players into the transfer portal, and they did that again this upcoming season. But this is really his first year of doing a rebuild. And if you look at last year, the four wins, it's frustrating because you almost – almost had seven wins because three games were by a score or less, including one, the, the, the finale against the Cajuns. And, okay. and so they're close, but yeah, th- their record this year will be less than four wins, but I still feel that this is a product that will be much better to watch and truthfully more frustrating because they're going to have even more wins that are you almost wins. And that is very passionate. You know the ins and outs there better than the two of us. Is it completely on? Is it completely on the coaching staff to promote the program? Is you know? Is it you know? We got Bowden. He's he's gonna you know get something. Is that where it comes from? Because you know part of these lists too is like you know SIDs send out stuff on their guys, or they've got social media staffs, and you know that's where some of this comes from. Is you know, if there's somebody who's all over Twitter or all over Instagram, they're obviously going to get a little more attention. Is that part of it with ULM? Like, yeah, and, and I don't really know the answer to that. I would think that you do have to kind of toot your own horn and and really promote your players from a marketing standpoint. Whether or not they're doing that or they're just focusing on actually building the product as a whole is what it seems like they're doing, and not going for the individual. But to me, it's kind of the catch-22 that you've got to have 
that hype of your individual players that you have. I mean, you have a once in a lifetime name of Boogie Knight that you should be plastering him all over the place for every watch list under the sun, deserving a knot. And that's not a knock at him. Um, but you, you probably even go over the top and say he's a Heisman Trophy candidate just because of the name and, and really hype it to get the name out there. And it exposes the university as a whole as well. Yeah. I asked that because at JMU practice the other day, that was sort of discussed on the sidelines while everybody's watching some of their staffers. They didn't push their guys much for the preseason FBS stuff being the first year, but they kind of have a plan where it's like, you know, if our, if Chris Thornton has a hundred yards receiving the first four weeks of the season, then we're going to start like maybe pushing a little bit. It, it was part of the transition thing with them. They made that choice not to um, where in the past they'd pushed for FCS awards all over the place. Um, which just made me think, like, I wonder how much that differs from program to program, whether, you know, they have the social media staffing, you know, whether they're spending the money on that, whether it's something that, you know, if it's a hundred things on the SIDs list to do a day, maybe they don't get to pushing for the rewards and stuff. I, I just wondered how it varies from program to program. Yeah, I know that's, I noticed that Sunbelt Media, it's actually YouTube's who pointed it out. You know, they brought their social media person to Sunbelt Media Days to make sure that Texas State Bobcats had plenty of Sunbelt uh, presence on social media channels. I know Arkansas State has been much better at that in the past five or six years, where in the past they they would they would tend to like try to be under the radar. I don't know if it was because they they didn't want to make any waves with a certain school out out west or or what. But now they, they love tooting their own horns. From ULM, I wonder if it is a, a bit of, of, of uh, I, I don't know, uh, a cost consideration. I'm anxious to see this year, though, how the Raging Cajun staff handles it. Because they lost a lot of their creative people to Florida when they wow. were the, the Cajuns. And yeah. I think that if you look at it, the quality of their social media is still there. But I don't think you've seen the quantity as much stuff cranked out as you did last year. Well, quite frankly, I don't know if the Cajuns have the same level of stars to promote. <laughs> you know, they don't have Levi anymore. They don't have some of those great running backs anymore. So who do you, who do you make the star of the franchise? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, they still have Chris Smith there, the running back that, that should probably be a thousand yard rusher this upcoming season. So, I mean, I think there's players out there uh, for them to promote. And in addition to that, if nothing else, you have one of your own now as your head coach. It should be all about uh, Mike DeZormo. Yeah. And you know what? I, I, I kind of heard that maybe he's in a little bit over his head as head coach. You think, have you heard that? Um, I don't, I don't think it's it's necessarily like that. I think that he is definitely seeing that there's way more to being a head coach than what a lot of people perceive. And even him on the inside knew that the head coach did. I think that he has done a fantastic job of surrounding himself with a great staff that well, you're that see from a staffing standpoint, much of a fall off. And in addition to that, I feel that he has really – opened up and partnered with their AD, Dr. Brian Maggard, that he has the support of the department as a whole to get whatever he wants, whatever he needs to be successful and to continue that Cajuns uh, program being atop the Sunday. Shane, switching gears a little bit, you seem to have implied that you've been at uh, some uh, JMU practices to open up the season. Have you? And what do they look? How do they look? I've been to two of, two of their three practices so far, and, you know, my untrained eye, I'm not a football <laughs> scout by any means, they look pretty good. I think their starters, their first string, are ready for this transition. The question is, you know, some of the areas where do they have the same kind of depth they need? Like, you know, what happens if a cornerback gets hurt? What happens if, you know, a wide receiver gets hurt or a linebacker. But I feel like the 11 guys they're going to put on the field each side of the ball to start the season are capable of competing. 
Um, and they've got extreme depth in a few places. Running back, they, they didn't get one of the 12 guys on the Doak Walker list, mm. but they've got four or five very capable running backs. Um, that's one place where they're really deep. Um, the offensive defensive lines look pretty deep. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the, there's, the question marks are not even so much like, you know, if their starting quarterback's going to be okay, it's if what happens if that guy gets hurt, like, you know, right. it might, you know, not to, uh, you know, you probably won't be too sympathetic of this, but there could be a lot of freshmen on the field in certain spots. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so unfair. Things, you know, I, listen, I have, I have nothing but love for every team in the Sun Belt except for the Warhawks. I mean, every team in the Sun Belt. I wish them good health. But, Shane, you said something that actually uh, uh, I identify with a lot. And I asked you how the team looked, and you said, well, I'm by no means a scouting, scout of football. And I do sometimes, like when I'm looking at football players, I have absolutely no idea what I'm looking at. You know, they look big, they look fast, but you never know, from my eye, if it's actually going to be a good team or not. Tibbs does some tips. Don't you evaluate recruits? Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of it is I'm definitely not an offensive lineman, not a defensive lineman, but I love watching the trenches and yeah. those guys. And to me, it's all about handwork and footwork on the offensive side of how well can they get the guys without just literally grabbing them and, and having to hold them penalty. And on the defensive side, just how quick are they off the ball on the snap? A lot of guys I've seen have had kind of that sixth sense where they know when the ball is about to be snapped and can can judge it without getting an offsides penalty. That's the kind of things that you really have to look for. And then in addition to that, whenever you talk to these guys and they're not on the field, you kind of get a sense of how well they know the game and how well they can adapt to different situations. And just seeing how they interact even with other players. There's been guys that were just stand out, dominate, and instead of it making it uh, about me, they're, they're trying to coach up the other guys, even at camps, at, at prospect showcases, to get them maybe closer to the same level that they are. Yeah, you know what? I am an absolute believer. You're not a good player unless you make the other players around you better. You know, like, uh, like uh, my son's on a lacrosse team. Uh, Shane, Shane knows the lacrosse probably better than all of us. But, I, you know, there's kids that play good lacrosse, but they don't make the rest of the team better because they're all focused on themselves. I said he can never be a great player until he learns how to make everybody better around them. So, yeah, I, I agree with that, that it's really good to talk to some of these guys and you can hear them talk about team first and about elevating other guys around them. And then you kind of really know if that guy's a really good player. Shane, what do you look at when you're looking at uh, looking at these practices and you think – well, this guy looks like he could be a star in the league. I kind of how the coaches are responding to guys. I mean, mm. like, just, you know, going back to, you know, seeing JMU play the other day, their their quarterback coach, Tino Sinceri, it's his reaction to passes where I don't see any difference between where one guy threw the ball and the other guy threw the ball. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a matter of, like, you know, was it three inches too high or something, like, for the receiver – uh -huh. um, and just the level of precision they're looking for in some of these drills and stuff, you know, I'm not seeing the difference. So I have to kind of go by his reaction to that. And, and that's kind of, you know, where I look at it from an observer at practice and stuff. Cause when it kind of being around college football only made me realize I, there's so much about football. I don't know, like that they, they understand the game at such a high level compared to, you know, just me as a guy who played a little bit. Yeah, you know, I have to admit that the more I've watched, especially in a reporter's capacity, the better I've come to understand the game of football. But there's a lot of times when there's a play formation or something happened, I don't understand why something worked or didn't work. Uh, and then you'll hear people around you go, oh, yeah, well, he didn't have that guy out in the flat. And that's why he ran. Then I'm just like, my mind is blown. So I still have a lot to learn about the game of football. But uh but uh, Jerry, you're, you're going to hate watching the game with me. And, and maybe that's something that we need to do is have a Twitter live space for a random Sunbelt conference game. And we'll okay. give our analysis and play by play of, of you know, inability to, to know who just made that catch or anything like that. 
but but I feel like the breakdown of of things like that is is really where it's at. And I like sitting up the press box because I like seeing from the high level to see mm-hmm. the play develop, to see the again the offensive defensive line in the trenches. Um, the other place I like is a sideline where you can actually hear the coaches and hear what they're saying the adjustments are to then see how they play out on the field as well. You know what else is also useful is being able to go back to an ESPN3 replay and isolate certain plays and see why they broke down or why they were a success. I find that's very interesting. And then you find out where your weaknesses are pretty quick. But uh, whether or not I understand, I'm really good, guys, at identifying weakness. Not great at suggesting or recommending uh, solutions to how to fix them. You know, I just say we need to be faster. You know, we need to be bigger. You know, I can do that. So on that note, guys, all right, it's been a long week. Mm-hmm. Plugs, promos, parting shots. Shane, you're up first since you brought in the lateness yeah <laughs> you, if you're tardy you gotta do it first oh yeah i don't even have much parting shot wise uh I'll, I'll go back to my odu baseball guy Vinny pascutino he's hitting for the royals they're they're finally went with the youth movement <laughs> traded away the malcontents and yeah. uh looking for the future and he's one of the guys for the future so i'll, I'll keep sucking up to the odu uh fans with the with the baseball talk i'm sure that's going to make that's going to elevate the number of listeners that we get from the odu that would be great I hope so that's, that's <laughs> the idea uh parting shot for me let's see well all right so i i wrote a post for how razor it was based on a conversation tibbs and i had that you just quoted me on i did not say western kentucky by the way did I miss? Did I misquote you? Well, that's okay. Like I said, I'm a I'm a writer, not a journalist. I'm there for perspective, not for for accuracy. But uh, we were talking about you know this the mysterious quote from from uh, uh, from Commissioner Keith Gill about a possible fifteenth or sixteenth team or whatever, and it led to a discussion about should we ele- be elevating more FCS teams. And I wrote an article with my point being, I think that baton needs to be passed. I think the Sun Belt has done a great job of picking up FCS teams on the rise, including James Madison, uh, including Appalachian State, including Georgia Southern. All these guys have done really good to help the conference. But it's also a roll of the dice, because sometimes when you bring in FCS conference members, it takes some time to adjust. We've seen that with Texas State. We've seen that with Georgia State, although Georgia State will tell you, well, we were never really FCS or whatever. South Alabama is the same way, but it takes some, it takes some time to adjust. I feel like now it's time to pass that baton, maybe the uh, CUSA. So if you want to check out my argument for that, it's on howraiser.com. I'd appreciate it. I could use the clicks. I think, Jeremy, you did kind of hit uh, on something there. You have to remember that when Western Kentucky came up into the FBS ranks, they were terrible. I, I, I want to say they hit the 23-24 game losing skid under Dave Ellison, who was their coach at the, at, the, at the time. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. They were, though, able to finally get things right. It just took some time. So I, I, I'm okay still with bringing up the FCS, but just knowing that it's not the quick fix. I do feel, though, that the Sun Belt is beyond having that quick fix of bringing up an FCS team, unless it was Jackson State. <laughs> I know you love Jackson State. <laughs> that if we could get a commitment that Dion would be there long term, I think that the Tigers would be a quality, quality add to the West. It would give Southern Miss a good in-state rival as well, ULM a good regional rival as well, and be good for all of college football and especially the Sun Belt. Well, you know, your argument is not without without merit. I'll give you that. I do what I can, Jeremy. <laughs> By the way, I, in terms of Western Kentucky, I, I always considered them an amusing basketball school, but uh, that sort of adopted football later on, and it worked out. But uh, yeah, I always like Western Kentucky for their basketball. You know, my favorite mascot is Big Red. 
Hell yeah. Forever and ever. My parting shot, guys. Got to do some traveling for work, so I will be out next week. But I learned that I have some United travel credits. So road <laughs> trip for the fun belt, guys, is going to happen. All right. I don't know how the hell I got it. I hope they don't revoke it. Oh, no. But we have airfare. Well, We're you'll be welcome in Jonesboro if you want to fly to Jonesboro. We are going to the East Coast. Okay. That's all I can say. Hey, Shane, by the way, you know, we're talking about derogatory terms for mascots. It seems like yours would be obvious. The uh, James Madison pukes. Yeah, they get that. Yeah. Um, they get the more subtle one. This happened more with the CAA. The more subtle ones was never kind of acknowledging the uh, advancement to becoming James Madison University. You'll still hear like some old William and Mary people and whatnot toss out Madison College. So that, that's probably what they get a little bit more. And I'm sure, you know, you guys out West, especially in Louisiana, kind of know the whole branding thing. But yeah. that's, that's probably the subtle one they get a little bit from some of the some of their older rivals. I think ULM gets a little bit of that too, right? Pulling out that old... Uh, By your desired uh, eye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Arkansas State doesn't get that. But I know that Memphis Tigers, if you want to really irritate a tiger you, you call them uh, uh memphis state university i don't know why that bugs them so much now they're the university of memphis but they get all hung up on that but uh yeah i think we guys we really do have to start coming up with a list of derogatory names but derogatory names that you can actually seize upon and use it as a battle cry for yourself kind of like yankee doodle dan are we up for that is this a good homework assignment Okay, I think that's a good ending, guys. Edit that out, Dusty.